On this episode of Kenny and the Coaches, I'm talking with Anadarko coach Ray Headley. Coach Headley has been at several schools throughout his coaching career. He has coached at Wetumpka, Prague, Lone Oak, Tecumseh, Walters, Comanche, Ringling, Douglas, Hera, and is currently at Anadarko. And oh yeah, he started his career out coaching yours truly at my alma mater, Fox. He's coached multiple powerlifting state champions throughout his career, and when I and a lot of other coaches think about powerlifting in the state of Oklahoma, you think of today's guest. Here's my conversation, Coach Ray Headley. Well, Coach Headley, thanks for taking time out of your uh, busy spring break golf schedule to talk to me. Yeah, you're welcome, man. I enjoy it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Now, hey, going back to my beginning days of playing football in high school, you were one of my first coaches. You remember those days back at Fox? I sure do, man. We had a great time back then. We had a great group of guys. Uh, I mean, that, that group you played with, they were just tough, athletic kids who wanted to play football. You know, we brought Coach, Coach Mr. McCreary brought Coach Moore in. And uh, everything to take care of the offensive line, and you know, you you yourself had dropped down, dropped a lot of weight, and put on a lot of muscle, and made yourself into one of the premier running backs in the state of Oklahoma back then. You know, yeah. and uh, we just had we had a, we had a, we really had a great run there that year, that first year, really until we went up the ceiling and got a hold of a hornet's nest up there yeah yeah true. Yeah. i remember that i remember that yeah, you know, yeah. Then, go ahead and then the next year you know we we had a great year all the way up you know till the very end and coach moore passed away mm-hmm. you know and then we went to apache and you know i still talk about that that day we left school we left fox to go to apache and i was wearing shorts <laughs> seventy degrees. When we left, we pulled into Watton, Oklahoma, at the McDonald's. The temperature had dropped forty degrees, and the wind was howling out of the north. Yep. And by the time we got to Apache, it was already sleeting. Yeah, that was way yeah, before was the way the weather apps on your phone days. I, I remember that too. I've, I tell my kids that story all the time and they're like, oh, that's not real. I was like, no, because I never played with a shirt on under my pads. And I was like, my stomach yeah, was, was like, cut up from sleet from, because when we left, like you said, it was, it was warm. And then by the time game time rolled around, it was, uh, it was not warm. No, um, it was, I mean, there was six inches deep of sleet on the field. Yeah. I mean, we were warming up at 530 and six inches of sleet. Yeah, that's one of those stories that, you know, when I'm telling my boys about it, they're like, oh, that's one of those uphill to school in the snow stories. I'm like, no, that really happened. So I'm glad you were here to confirm that. So when my kids listen to this, they'll be like, hey, dad wasn't lying about it. No, (laughs) I'm telling you, that was, you know, through my 25 years of coaching, I've played, I've been a part of coaching in, you know, my playing and my coaching I've played in and coached in some really unusual conditions. Yeah. Um, my son's junior year in 2016, uh, actually, yeah, it was 2015, we were playing Washington in the quarterfinals, 
and Craig, and I have pictures on my phone that how water was <laughs> two inches deep on the field. Yeah, yeah. You know, and we come out, we actually wore, you know, we had the privilege then of in Craig, we had two helmets. We had a white and a gray. Oh, yeah. And we, oh, yeah. Had, and we had two sets of unis. Well, we wore our Nike uniforms out to start the game in our gray helmet. And to be honest, this was a difference in the ball game of us winning, being able to beat Washington there in the fight in the quarterfinals. Because we came out, they went into the dressing room at halftime. It was a close ball game, and they went into the dressing room at halftime, and they were still wet and cold. Yeah, but they came out wet and cold. Our kids went in, stripped down, dried off and put a whole other set of uniforms on and a different helmet, and they came out, and we were able to we were able to upset Washington in the quarterfinals that year, you know, and that was just a big, mm-hmm. you know, that was a big advantage of being able to have two sets of uniforms, you know. And oh, yeah. Since that time, if we look on the weather and there's a chance of rain in the forecast during the ball game, a heavy rain or anything, we yeah. take two sets of uniforms with us. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good idea, especially if you got the the means to do that. You know, yeah, one of those know. things too is kind of like in Oklahoma. It's probably smart to do that because that old saying of just stick around, the weather will change in a couple of hours is pretty true. Yes, it is. I mean, we're I tell people all the time we're the most bipolar state in the world. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would I definitely mean, agree with that. You know, just like what last week when that snow came in. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. crap. It was 60 and 70 degrees before then. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, bam, here comes Thursday and Friday morning, we wake up to snow. Yeah, yeah. And you know, up there, because we didn't get any down here at uh, in the Empire. So, you know, I mean, it's it's like that. You know, go 20 miles down the road, it's covered in snow, and 20 miles the other way, and it's not. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it's, the, it's the, you know, and in one side of the state gets snow, the next side of the state gets ice. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's just it's 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 the most bumfuzzling thing you've ever seen in your life. And then you, by the time the end of the day was over with on Friday, heck, the snow was gone. Yeah, yeah, and everybody's you out know, in shorts. Like, <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. I mean, so yeah, it, it Oklahoma is a wild place to coach in. I mean, you get all kinds of weather. Yeah, right, let's uh, move on to uh, let's talk about the inside sport that we just that you just got finished with. Uh, okay. Powerlifting. powerlifting. Now, I, I, we were kind of talking before we got started about whenever we have questions, we have questions. around here about right. powerlifting, this, that, or the other, we're always like, uh, probably talk to Coach Headley. You know, you're to me, you're like the, the powerlifting guy in in Oklahoma. Kind of talk about this, this past year of, of powerlifting, kind of how, I guess, kind of coming off of, all the COVID stuff. I don't. I don't know how it was last year, but kind of how things kind of got back to somewhat normal. Well, uh, in 2020, when COVID hit, it hit right at state championship weekend, and we yeah. we literally had to cancel 2020 the state championship. And um, and then last year it picked up. We had a great state championship. Uh, but there were still a lot of schools that didn't participate because of the superintendent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
mainly the larger school districts. Yeah. Yeah. Your big schools. You know, and then we added junior high. We, you know, we had junior high state in Anadarko. Kent started that 10, 12 years ago. And then it started, then we moved, it got so big that we moved to an east, a north, an east and a west. So Miami held a east junior high state and we held the west junior high state. And it got so large that our, our association finally said, hey, that, and it started last year that we'll do a, junior high regional at every site that our four region sites mm-hmm. are and then we'll come together and have a junior high state and last year we had we took the top three in each weight division cause of covid and we limited the number of lifters that you could have you could have no more than 22 kids per grade and then in high school you could you could have no more than 22 kids in high school because of COVID. But then this year we were able to drop all the COVID restrictions. Man, we had the most lifters we have ever had signed up to lift at regionals this year. We had signed up, we had 2,040 kids signed up to lift at regional in high school. That's a lot. And we ended up with 17, little over 1,700 kids lifting total but that's that's due to eligibility and everything other things that come on you know because with this covid that happened in 2020 be honest kenny man it it set education back 20 years yeah i would agree with that yeah because right now getting kids to focus in school (laughs) and focus on an education is so hard Mm mm-hmm and we as coaches have to deal with that in eligibility constantly. Yeah. So it's been tough, but we, we still had the most lifters we've ever had at regionals and everything this year and competing. And, you know, and I'm just telling you, man, these kids have gotten so strong. Yeah. I mean, in the large, in the large school, we had four back-to-back state champions in the 132 or 123, 132, 145, and the heavyweight class, the kids that won their divisions were back-to-back state champions. Yeah. You know, and that's hard to do. Mm-hmm. In, I don't, I, I, I haven't seen that very often in all my years of coaching and being in the Powerlifting Association, having back-to-back state champions like that. Yeah. Our kid from Anadarko, it's on my resume, Niall Casa. He's just a junior. Yeah. And he would he's going to bump up to the 157 class next year. I mean, he'll have a chance to be a three-time state champion. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, you don't say that very often. You know, that's crazy. But, I mean, we had a great season this year. I mean, Coach Atchison has done a good job. It's now centrally located in El Reno. Mm-hmm. And he's done a really good job of hosting it. Now that we're using 11 racks, we're able to run the junior high and high school and run them really fast and get everybody in and get everybody out. The junior high, we're out of there around five or six every night. Mm-hmm. There's, I mean, there's 660 kids lifting in junior high. Yeah. And I don't care what how many racks you have, you put 660 kids in there. It's going to take a little while. Yeah. 
Yeah. Both the high school days, I mean, I would, we were through passing out medals by 2 o'clock every day. Yeah. Yeah. And some and of that... Some of that too, you know, kids, the high school kids, they kind of know, they they know their routine, they know what they need to do. A lot yeah, of, they know they know how to, they know the routine as to what to do at every weight meet. Mm-hmm. And you'd like for some of these junior high kids to figure it out, but by the time they go to regionals, some of those junior high kids, that's their first weight meet. Yeah, because they've been in yeah. basketball or something like you know other other wrestling or some other sport. But it takes a little bit longer in junior high. But the high school kids, they all know what to do. I always say running weight meets, junior high is the learning day for my table workers. Hmm. The high school days are the gravy days. Yeah, yeah. You know, because they're, you know, because I won't have to worry about anything. And, you know, and I got to give props to Coach Addison. His girls up there, they did a great job running the computers for us up there. Uh, I never had to go out there one time to a table. Uh, on Friday and Saturday, I had to go one time out on Thursday at junior high. But other than that, I never had to go out to a table and help the girls. They, I went over everything before the meet. And they just picked it up and went. I'll give props to a buddy of mine as far as piloting goes from Dixon, Coach Bentley, like I did Saturday up there. But he did a great, he's my, he's kind of my formula guy on, on Google Sheets and we're all, he's always looking at my programs and trying to find a way that we can make it simpler for the program to work and easier for coaches, more user-friendly, I should say, for coaches to uh, be able to use it and um, throughout the state. I mean, we we had scheduled at one time, we had eight, meet scheduled in a six-week period Yeah. this year. I mean, I had one week where, no joke, the week after, the second week in February, I had six meets working that same week. Wow. That's that's crazy. Six weight meets going on. And I also had two that got canceled that never picked back up. Mm -hmm. You know, and then, then we had the storm the week before regionals. Uh, I had two meets that week that got canceled because of the storm that couldn't be made up. Yeah. yeah. You know, but overall we had, we were scheduled to have 18 meets in the state that year, this year. And I mean, it's just, you know, it's unbelievable how much it's grown. You know, we added the, the girls added their own division now. Mm-hmm. And Coach Butler's done a great job getting that started, and we were finally able to get the girls out of the out of the boys association um, and everything, so that it's only boys lifting at ours. Yeah. Because it's it's hectic at regionals when you're trying when you got girls and stuff. Um, trying to separate and all that. And, yeah, trying yeah. to separate and all that for regionals. It's just. And now that they have their own, they have their own regionals, and now they have their own state, uh, it's really a good thing for both associations. Oh, yeah, yeah. You were, you were talking and about talking. you were talking about kind of the, it seems like powerlifting is starting to grow, and a lot of that, too, is uh, the girls' side of it. I mean, why do, you, why do you think that not just boys but girls, too, why do you think it's kind of seems like powerlifting's gotten more popular? Why do you think that is? 
Well, I think it's a sport that everybody can go competing in. And it doesn't matter your body weight. It doesn't matter, uh, you know, what you do. But you can just, you can actually go out there and compete and have fun. And I think with society today, everybody's wanting to stay in some kind of good shape with their bodies. Yes. And so yes. girls are now getting into lifting and you see it all over the internet. I mean, I watch, I get so many powerlifting videos of girls, women in the, in the, in the world that are just doing ungodly weight. Yeah. You know, I saw a woman's, I saw a woman squat 660 pounds the other day. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she's a professional powerlifter. I was like, holy cow. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, it's just unbelievable where it's gone. You know, and I think all the coaches in schools, you know, because really, in reality of things, during the winter, all there is is, girl, is basketball and wrestling. Yeah. Well, not every girl wants to go wrestle. True. Get on a mat and put a singlet on and go, go wrestle. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah so now, now they have a sport that they can just go put a pair of shorts on and a T-shirt and go lift and don't have to worry about looking Yep. like they're wearing a freaking bathing suit out there. Yeah, true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, on a wrestling mat. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's, I think that's, you know, one thing that's really helped it grow, you know, adding more sports to season, you know, and it's a sport that everybody can compete in. Yeah. You know, not everybody's going to go out and be a great basketball player. Mm-hmm. I mean, crap, Kenny. I mean, I started my career coaching basketball, if you'll remember. Oh, yeah, I remember. <laughs> uh, but when I left Fox in 99, I've been an assistant high school coach for my son his senior year. Uh, I've coached a couple of times. I've coached a couple of junior high, you know, seventh grade teams and a freshman team in Ringham. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, you know my energy level when I'm coaching. Oh, yeah. And I'm still the same guy I was in 1994 coaching. And... I'm just extremely loud for the gym, and I feel like sometimes I'm too loud. And so I, I, I kind of stepped out of that, even though I love the game. I stepped out of it, and I really got into powerlifting. And, I've, you know, I've just kind of taken off with that aspect of it, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's been, it's, been a good, it's been good for me. You know, I, I never say never. You know, I don't ever say I'm not going to do something again, you know, because invariably it may come a time where I need, I'm need i asked to coach basketball. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'll go coach it with everything I got. Yep. You know, but yep. most of the time people leave me alone and they, they know what I do for the powerlifting association so they don't ask me to coach during, during powerlifting season. Yeah. Now – um, 
I, it seems like I remember a couple of years ago. Uh, did you did you guys start the the powerlifting Hall of Fame a couple of years ago? Didn't yes, it? sir. We did. And we did. We started it three years. Ago. Now, one of the being I saw where Coach Dale Butler, you were you there to were you the one that kind of handed in the plaque? I sure was. Well, I, what? I, what? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Now you go ahead. Now, uh, you know, Coach Butler was no, Coach. my coach in junior high. You know, and just seeing yeah, him get that, I, I didn't realize it was going on. I wish I could have been there for it, but I know you kind of. And that where you your first coaching job was at Fox too, wasn't it? Yes, sir. So, what was that like? Kind of handing that, you know, and kind of inducting him a, into the Hall of Fame. Well, we we knew that we had two men who started this in the state of Oklahoma years ago. And that was Coach Dell Butler and Butch Roll mm-hmm. from Holdenville. And we knew that up front, those, when we started this, we, wanted to, we, we started the Hall of Fame because we wanted to start honoring people who have meant the world to this sport over the years before they passed away. Yeah. You know, before their time comes. And so it was a great honor for me because I did get to start my coaching career with Coach Butler. Um, You know, and his son Warren and I have been great friends ever since Fox. Mm -hmm. Um, We talk all the time on the phone. You know, we hang out at coaches' clinics and stuff together. Um, So it's been a real – it was a great honor for me to get to do that and you know luckily lucky for me it's my privilege you know i got to i got to go back uh, the next year i got to induct my my one of my head football coaches in high school mm. last year Kerry roberts into the high school hall of fame oh, uh, which was a great honor for me i got to induct rick clark Last year into the Hall of Fame, he I he I coached against Rick when I was at Prague, uh, and he was at Chandler. Um, so it's been it's kind of been a it's been mine and the Hall of Fame has kind of been mine and Warren Butler's deal that we've done uh, for the last three years inducting people, and so you know we're going to continue that next year. Uh, we've already got our guys picked out who we're going to nominate mm-hmm. um, and induct into the Hall of Fame. And, you know, we keep a, we're going to continuously to induct the guy who's still active in the Hall of Fame, but then we're going to get two guys every year who are past guys who are not as active anymore or maybe retired um, this year. We inducted... Uh, Coach Dixon from Sulphur, you know, by the way, they've won the last six uh, 3A state championships Wow! Uh, in a row. Uh, and then we, you know, Fred Willis, who's, who was at Blanchard, started it at Blanchard years ago and went to Ida Bell and then ended up in Duncanville, Texas. He's already passed away, and we, his wife was there to receive it this year. Um, for him and family 
So it was an honor to get those guys in. Um, but yeah, putting Dale in, that was amazing. You know, I, I talk to Warren all the time about his dad. You know, I don't know how much longer he's going to be with us. He's going through some hard times. Yeah. Um, and everything. But, you know, hopefully good Lord will keep him around. Yeah. Now, switching gear. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. You know, it's just an, it, it, it's always an honor for me to put these gentlemen in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Yeah. Now, switching gears a little bit and talk about football a little bit. Football at Anadarko. I mean, whenever I think of Anadarko, even just saying the name, it's, you, there's an expectation that comes with with coaching and playing there. You know, it, you, yes, playoffs, playoffs are are nice, but you you're expected to make pretty deep runs. What what are like the expectations? Uh, what is it like well, being at a place where the expectations are high like that? I think it's. Uh... I'll be honest, man, I, my first year there, and I know what Kent's expectations are, uh, Coach Jackson, his, his expectations, and Coach Watford, who I've also worked with multiple times, you know, everybody's expectations, when you're in a football program, if you don't have those expectations to win a state championship, mm-hmm. and to always go deep in the playoffs, you know, it's you're you're just how do I put this? You're standing you 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 allow yourself to stand for mediocrity. Mm-hmm. You know, and being mediocre in Anadarko is not acceptable. Yep. You know, I mean, I know I hear I've heard Kent talk about it. He does his radio show every every Saturday morning. And uh, if we had not made the playoffs this year, because mm-hmm. we started off 0-4. Yeah. And, I mean, we just didn't play very well. And, but if we had not made the playoffs, I mean, his radio show would have said, this is not acceptable in Anadarko. Yeah. It's yeah. the coach's fault. Mm-hmm. You know, not just the players, it's, it's on us as coaches mm-hmm. because we allowed that to happen. Yeah. And, you know, and that's the kind of programs that I want to coach in, mm-hmm. you know, myself, because it's, you know, it's holding people, not just yourself, but it's holding kids accountable and coaches accountable to do their job every day. Yeah, yeah. You know, and so being in that kind of environment is just amazing for me. I I love it. I had the same environment at Preg. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had the same environment even coaching there at Fox with Coach McCreary and those guys and Coach Moore. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was just an expectation, Yeah, you know. Yeah. I mean – you remember going out there and having to run them 60s? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was 10 of them a day. Yep. And if one person didn't run hard, mm. well, we're adding more to it. Yep. 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 You know, I mean, and and that's 
that's what it's about holding people accountable and that's a problem I see in 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 coaching today that so many people allow themselves mentally they they take a job in which it's not a good job. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying? Oh yeah, yep. Oh yeah. Um, you know, because not every program, not every, I should say, it's not every school is a football school. Oh yeah, yep. Oh yeah, yep. They play football, but just for but fun. Yes, it's not. And I hate to tell people this, and I say this all the time, and I hear it from the guys I work with, too. Football pays the bills. Yeah. 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 I mean, you understand what I'm saying? Football pays the bills. Mm -hmm. And it does. Football and basketball are your money sports in school. Mm -hmm. You're not making money on baseball. You're not making money on – you're losing money on track. Mm -hmm. I mean – but football and basketball are the two sports that make money for the school. You know, and so with that being said, I mean, hey, it I mean, and what other what other sport is there that the only thing going on on Friday night is a football game and it's one night a week for the season when everybody in town is there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, if you're going to rob small school football, if you're going to rob a town, you do it on Friday night. (laughs) That's that's true. Yeah. You know, because everybody, nobody's at home. They're at a high school football game. Yep. And so that's how important it has to be. And that's that's how important it is in Anadarko Mm -hmm. to win. You know? Yep. I mean, Yes, you always have to have you have to have the dudes because I promise you it's not the X's and the O's. No, Mm -mm. it's the Johnnies and the Joes out there playing the game. It's you as a coach being able to teach your kids and give them the tools to go compete. Oh yeah, absolutely. And want want to win. Mm -hmm. You know, and do whatever it takes to win and that's that's what it's about and that's that's the thrill for me you know being a I've been a head coach uh, I took a job there at Walters so I could be closer to my family um, and I'm glad I did I had a great experience there uh, you know and then I went to Comanche uh, and I had a great experience there. Mm-hmm. And you know, I've had I I've had a great experience at every school I've ever been at. I've never in my life not had a great experience coaching and teaching at a school. Oh yeah, I mean, I, it wouldn't be worth doing it if it wasn't you know good experiences yeah. and relationships. Yeah, about. It's, I mean, I still have kids, even though I have, I was, I may have only been at a school for a year, 
you know, those kids still walk up to me and call me Coach Hetley. Mm-hmm. And they come up and, and I keep track of all those kids. Today, to this day, I keep track of those kids. Yeah. And, you know, I've kept track of you ever since you started coaching, ever since you graduated high school. Yeah. You know, um, so that's the joy for me, you know, is being able to give what knowledge I have. And granted, I don't know everything, but I do know this, that every kid's going to know that I love them and I'm going to coach them hard. Yep. And that's just the way I think it has to be. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Yeah. You know. I I got so, one. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was like, I got one no, final no. question for you. Okay. What in all your years of powerlifting, I've seen that you know you had several state champions and uh, kids that have competed well, teams that have competed well. What has been the most impressive performance at a powerlifting meet you have witnessed in person? when Michael graduated mm-hmm. uh, him setting the state record at 750 uh, his his pre-lift total still stands at 1810 that's a that's just an unbelievable feat uh, I mean we had a 1600 pound total this year yeah but that's still 210 pounds shy <laughs> yeah. of what Michael yeah. did. Yeah. Now you're talking about yeah. Michael Benson. Yeah. yeah, Michael Benson. Yeah. Fuck. Um, you know, that right there was probably one of the greatest feats ever made. Now, granted, uh, I think, I, I'll tell you one of the greatest things I've ever seen that I was a part of. I had a kid in Prague in 05, and I forgot to put him on there. Um, he weighed 207 pounds. Mm-hmm. Well, Warica has Bryce Bohot, same year. Mm-hmm. And I love Bryce to death. Me and Bryce, we're, we're, I've watched him lift from the time he was a sophomore up. And Bryce is so strong. Well, I had a kid who was strong, but he wasn't as strong as Bryce. Mm-hmm. So I told him at regional, I said, hey, I know you weigh 207. We're going to go to 242. Yeah. So then we turn around, and his cousin from Chandler did the same thing. Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. so he went there. So we get to the state tournament. We actually finished second at regional. And I was okay with it because I said, we'll get him a stake. Mm-hmm. So it, and then the Tibbs kid from Wilson was in the same gra- same group, except he weighed, he was, you know, 242. He was a big dude. Yeah. Yeah. So we get all the way through. We win the squat. We get in the bench, and we're down 10 pounds after bench. Mm-hmm. So 
We start off, I still talk about this, we start off at 525 on dead. They start off at 550. Yeah. And, um, but we pull it, they pull theirs, we go 565 and we pull it. Yeah. Well, they both, they both go 590. Wow. Wow. And the record was 605, 600. Mm-hmm. at the time so they neither one of them get their second attempt mm-hmm. so at that point we got them by five pounds mm-hmm. because they're only at five they only did 550 and they had a 10 pound lead on us mm-hmm. so they we got we got both of them if they can't get their second attempt we win it. Yeah. So I tell my kid, I said, hey, tell him 605, go for the state record. Because I knew what his cousin would do. Yeah, he would try to do the same he thing. Would, he would man up and try to go do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Even though I knew in my heart that we couldn't do it. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. But it was a numbers game. That's the beauty of powerlifting, man. You got to. You have to sit there and calculate numbers to beat somebody and push them beyond their limits. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. So, and the Tibbs kid, he stayed the same. So he goes over and he scratches on his third lift. And we end up going to the state champion rack, the state, uh, the platform for the state champion lifts back then. And, uh, and we both miss it. I mean, we got it. We got six six oh five off the floor, about twelve inches, and that was it. Yeah. And um, and none of the others could get it either. And we, you know, and we ended up winning a state championship based on pushing somebody's numbers beyond their limits. Mm-hmm. And uh, that you know that was a that was a great feat to do. Uh, my 145 that year, or 145, 157 kid, one of those. Uh, he had, it was a, he was a great lifter. I'll say that he because he just when when you go into the deadlift and you know you want it. And everybody else is calculating how to get second place. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's just that's unheard of. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know, we had that. I, now I'll say this: they had a great battle this year in uh, large school heavyweight. I'll just tell you that. Yeah. And the 275, <clears throat> those two weight classes, man. They had two dudes in each one. The Gonzalez kid and the uh, uh, Stanford kid from uh, Sulphur. Mm-hmm. Man, they had a great battle. Yeah. You know, when it come down, I mean, the Sanford kid got 680 on squat for the state record. Wow. And he ends up getting beat. You know, the Gonzalez kid does 425 on bench. And then he out pulls him 
on deadlift to win the state championship, you know? Mm-hmm. And then you get down to the heavyweight division where I had a kid that I coached at Hera last year. He was a junior. He's a senior this year. Uh, he's just one of those kids that only does what he has to do to win. Yeah, it doesn't go any, yeah. doesn't go any higher than he needs to. doesn't go any higher than what he needs to to win. Mm-hmm. Well, he scratched his first two squats this week at 675. <laughs> yeah. I mean, heck, yeah. yeah, he scratched, okay? He wasn't low enough. And I told him at regionals he wasn't low enough. Mm-hmm. So finally, he gets his third attempt. Well, then he has to go, you know, he's battling a kid from Miami named Chupa. And and it come down to deadlift, and he, pull, he pulled enough to win it, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, you know, and it was just a great battle all the way through to deadlift. Yeah. You know, and that's, yeah. you know, that's, those are just, I mean, how do you say it? Those are just great things to witness, you know, yeah. when you see people in there just going at it. Yeah, and, it is. Uh, you know, being at those powerlifting meets, regionals and state, it is pretty, it does get pretty intense down there on the floor. It's like, you know, you'll be, kind of just walking around and you'll hear a bunch of commotion going on at one rack so everybody kind of migrates over to those you know to where the noise is coming from and it's usually it it, it does get pretty intense and and uh you know in, intense and it's just fun to witness you know whenever you, you know him, him. I, I, I still talk about michael benson as a sophomore mm-hmm. i still talk about him as a sophomore we're at chickasha and I'll be honest, this is the first weight meet I'd ever been to, mm-hmm. okay, mm-hmm. with Michael in 97. I went with him. Basketball season was over with. So we, I go to Chickasha with Dale. And Michael, Michael was a different dude. And you know this. Yeah. Michael, go. Oop, I think I lost you, Coach. Never move or budge. Found him a box to sit on, and he sat on it. And it come time for his third squat, and it was 660. Mm-hmm. And as a sophomore, yeah. and they literally stopped away me. Up next, Michael Benson, Fox. Could just hear people hey, get over here dude this dude dude 660 <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then you hear people in, around him you know they just all gather around you hear him there ain't no way he can get it no way no way yeah and he just yeah. walks under there nonchalant doesn't show any emotion squat boom up rack you know and yeah. he had there's yeah. no emotion to him and you can hear people just going nuts back in 97. Yeah. <laughs> Put some weight on the bar. Put some weight on the bar. Yeah. Yeah, he was, like a, was nothing. he was a different cat. I mean, I loved him to death, you know. Yeah. I always tell the story about him. Uh, you know, you think of him. I tell the story when he was in the seventh grade when you were a junior. Mm-hmm. He 
was a stand-up three technique for us. Yeah, yeah. Because he couldn't get in a stand. No, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he was a big old you know, boy. In the, seventh, in the seventh grade. Yeah. We're sitting there one day. He's a sophomore, junior in the, in the annex there. And this dude walks up and hits him in the head with baseball bat. Yeah. And, and he calls him he calls him a bad word mm-hmm. next thing you know Michael doesn't he really never gets mad no he was, really didn't show much emotion <laughs> but he took the baseball bat away and you don't think of a guy who's 6 foot 3 325 pounds he uses this kid's head for a speed bag. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I had to take them both in there and bust their butts. Yeah. You know, yeah. but I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, and I, I still say the hardest hit I've ever seen in football of all my years of coaching, and I've seen some great hits, was Michael Benson in 97 mm-hmm. when we just started the eight-man program and coach rushing's son was a quarterback as a freshman and they were playing haleyville i'll never forget it at home at fox and we had called to set the wall up to our bench because you know how coaches are. Most people want to set the wall up to the bench so they can see all the pillbacks. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and yeah. everything. Yeah. Well, they punt away from the wall. And we we punt, we, and Michael's leading the wall up here, and he's 40 yards down the field. And he sees... And we tell our, you know, you always tell your part returner, if they punt away from the wall, get what you can, get out of bounds. Mm-hmm. Well, this kid was a wrestler. He couldn't get out of bounds. He didn't know that. He just started ducking and diving through everybody. And uh, and all of a sudden, here comes Michael. Mm-hmm. Well, most people don't believe this. Michael was 6'3", 325, and ran a 5'2", 40. He was, yeah. I mean, this big kid could move. And he come from all the way to the other side of the field, and this quarterback for Haleyville is trying to catch our our punt return. Mm-hmm. And all of us, I mean, he's about five yards inbounds when he's running down the sideline. And Michael comes from the other side of the field with a full head of steam on the perfect angle. And he hit this kid, and I swear, this kid went 10 feet in the air. He hit him so hard. <laughs> and he landed five yards out of bounds on top of his head. Yeah. He was knocked out cold for 20 minutes over yeah. there. He was in another world. Yeah, you, and can't, I mean, yeah, you can't do them anymore, that unfortunately. Them anymore. No, that was the hardest hit I've ever seen. Yeah, you know I've all I've seen one in from Holdenville and Seminole back in the nineties. Uh, they had a kid from Holdenville that got peeled back on, and he never saw it coming. He got 
he got both. He got his jaw shattered in four places. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, you know, but I still say the hit from Michaels was was the ultimate hardest hit I've ever seen in football, man. Yeah. I mean, it's I, it's been a it's been a great run for me uh, coaching. Uh, even though we've we've taken football and made it powder puff right now. Yeah. You know. Well, coach. But, uh, understanding, I do understand everything. I do understand the the rules behind it. Oh so. yeah, yeah. That's kind of the it kind of takes kind a little bit of the. Uh, oh, the. No. You're not, you're not going to see very many no. hard hit videos anymore. You know. No, we don't get to see those very often. Somebody will be getting a fine. Yeah. Well, Coach, I appreciate you appreciate taking time away from your golf game to talk oh, with me today. Man, I, yeah, I appreciate you letting me, giving me the opportunity to talk and everything. And, uh, you know, I appreciate what you've done and where you've gone in your career, Kenny. You've done a great job. You've got a great family, wonderful kids and everything. And uh, you've done really well, and I'm proud of you. And I'm proud to have had the opportunity to coach you for two years. And thank you for that opportunity. Coach Headley is a passionate coach. I figured that out when he was my coach at Fox. He truly is one of those coaches that would do anything for a fellow coach or player. You call him, he's gonna answer the phone and help you out in any way he can. Cause I believe he really wants kids to succeed whether it's the kids he's coaching or the kids you're coaching. If he can help you help them, that's what matters. Thanks for listening to Kenny and the Coaches. Go ahead and subscribe to my podcast and tell others about it. It's Kenny and the Coaches, and that's Kenny with an E. Until next time.